Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela. And I'm Lori. And in today's podcast, we will be discussing all things sourcing, a topic that lately seems to be popping up everywhere on social media. That's right. The good, the bad, the conceptions, and the realities of what sourcing entails as a reseller and why this topic has caused some heated debates. So grab yourself a seat and get comfy. This is an episode you do not want to miss. All right, Lori, let's talk about sourcing, shall we? Yes, let's. <laughs> it's um, it's a topic that I think is very popular within the reselling world. I think it's like the funnest thing that we do, right? Everybody loves yeah. to source. So it's definitely something that we are talking about all the time. Yes, I agree. And I think sourcing means different things to different people. And that's kind of what sparked this um, podcast idea for us. You know, Lori and I have been doing some talking the last couple of weeks about topics that seem to be popping up all over social media and some discussions that have happened in YouTube videos that have happened, um, you know, the differences between retail arbitrage and thrifting and wholesale boxes. And I think we, it seems to be getting a little overwhelming. Yeah, I feel. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think there's so many people doing so many different things and whether you're a newer reseller or you've been doing this for a while, um, it's hard to gauge like what's the right and wrong thing to do, or is there a right and wrong thing to do? So we just mm-hmm. kind of wanted to sit down and talk to you guys about this and hopefully, yeah, we go we, ahead, Lori. It, it, yeah, no, I'm sorry to interrupt. We just um, thought of, you know, the title of our podcast as behind the sourcing curtain, because I feel like there's a lot of mystique surrounding sourcing and where to source and how much to spend and all that, especially when you're getting started. But I think even like for somebody like me, as I reflect um, a year and a half into this, uh, choices I would make differently, uh, wh- what my cost of goods is now versus when I got started and, and all that fun stuff. So one of the things that I did in an effort to kind of divide sourcing places or cost in categories, I came up with just four and people may have some other ones, but this just is what I think of, um, you know, say I'm a new person to reselling and I want to get started. Uh, what level do I kind of want to buy in at? You know, like when, when you're starting a new program, like what's my buy-in here? And I think of these four levels. So the four that I came up with were um, sourcing from your closet, which I think is how a lot of people on Poshmark start. Yes. Um, and that is free. You know, you're going to go through. This is something I've really missed this step somewhere along the line. So you never <laughs> source from your closet. Very rarely. I mean, I do pull things. I, I've been trying to p- force myself to pull things. And um, I think in the month of February, I'm going to do a real push to to source. <laughs> Look, see how I stop myself from saying just source from my closet, because I know that won't happen. But um, but that's something I want to work on. So sourcing from your closet would be kind of the first strand, which is free. Um, if you have access to the Goodwill outlets or the bins where you pay by the pound, that's a really inexpensive way to get your inventory. Um, and I know a lot of people take advantage of dollar days at Goodwills. Do you have dollar days in Rhode Island? Um, well, we don't have a Goodwill, so that's a no. Oh, okay. <laughs> the closest Goodwills um, in North Attleboro. And honestly, I don't go there enough to know if they have a dollar day. I don't think they do. But I, funny I enough, know. I have very few Goodwills near me. It seems to be what like everybody talks about. But I mean, and I go to the Goodwill outlet in 
New Hampshire, and they have a Goodwill store attached. But no, there really aren't many Goodwills. No, I guess there used to be one in Providence. I don't know how long ago, but um, there isn't one around here. We just have Savers and Salvation Army. And there's some like independent consignment stores, more boutique style. Um, But I don't really go to those because the, you know, the prices aren't for reselling purposes. They're more like if I want to go and find something for myself, that's a little more high end or luxury, I would go in there. Right, right. But nothing that you would, Mm, that would be profitable for a flip. Not unless it was like a crazy sale and they were going out of business kind of thing, you know? Right. Yeah. So, but if people do have dollar days, or I know that many of us even, um, actually there is, there is a goodwill that I go to in Worcester. It's about 30 minutes away. That's a good one. Um, but they have like half off days. So when my second category, I, you know, I titled just the bins or dollar days places where you're sourcing your items for approximately one to $2 per item. So your buying is still really inexpensive. That's a dream. Uh, thrift store, <laughs> right? It is a dream. I mean, you know, we do go to the bins, you and I, it's, it's, it's more of a commitment than like, you know, I have a savers that's like, 10 minutes away from my house and I can just pop into savers at noon and be home by two o'clock and feel very refreshed and almost like invigorated because I just found like maybe five or six pieces that I can list that day. When I go to the bins, it's, it's a commitment. I come home tired. It's a lot of work. When I walk through the door, um, it's, it's just a lot of work. I mean, it's, it's cheaper and I have found some incredible gems at the bins, but it's just more exhausting. And I don't know that the bins are for everybody. Yeah, I agree. I think if you've never gone to the bins, you should at least experience it once. Um, because it, I say twice twice. because (laughs) Because the first time can be overwhelming. No, that's right. Uh, yeah, twice is good. And it also depends what your bins are like. So like the bins that Lori and I go to, they're not that bad. They're, they're, easy to navigate and they're clean and the people aren't that bad. I mean, you've got, you've got some groups, but it's not terrible. Um, The employees are really great there. It's very organized, very structured. Um, You know, it's usually a pretty good experience when you're there, but it's not like Colorado bins. We're not, I mean, you know, I say this and then you have to like screw it up with your, (laughs) my Christian Dior, with with your, with your Christian Dior. That is not the norm. I mean, mostly it's a lot of outdoorsy stuff, but still, still good things um, for sourcing um, and, and for flipping. Um, but anyway, so I would say that, you know, the third level is, as I mentioned, it's like thrift stores, like your Goodwills, your Savers, where your average cost of goods for me, um, I would say is between like four and $10 an item. I'm usually like five or six dollars that's usually usually my average cost of goods at like a savers on a 20 percent off day if I hit a 50 percent off sale it's usually between like three and five dollars per yeah. item does that sound yeah. about right for you as well yeah Daniela? I feel like so I'm one thing you will learn about me everyone is that I'm very frugal and I'm, I'm a minimalist when it comes to sourcing like I don't like to spend over a certain amount but I would say the average cost in the savers around me are anywhere between four and like that 10 49 12 49 range like right in there mm-hmm. and then you have those outliers that are like 15 plus but not many yeah yeah um and then a lot like uh, we were discussing before we got on the call you know like even even if I'm in the like the jeans section of the thrift store and there I, I feel like free people is a pair of is a brand that gets missed in the denim department mm-hmm. sometimes because you know their tag curls yeah. up and you sometimes don't always see yeah. it if they say that it's free people sometimes they'll mark it around the $10 mark but occasionally I'll find 
free people denim for like four or five dollars and that's always a yes for me but um but you know in the higher range I I would pass on them but I mean in general your average cost five six dollars at a thrift store and then the the fourth category I would say is retail arbitrage which has been a lot of talk about retail arbitrage yes there has been and um I actually, you know, I was just in Boston today and um, I came home and I placed an order on um, Nordstrom Rack because they're having their 25% off. And I do it occasionally. Like I enjoy it. I don't love it. I don't do this for retail arbitrage. I do it because I love to thrift and I love the treasure hunt. But I, I don't think of thrifting. I don't think thrifting and retail arbitrage are one in the same. And I, I think if you're like a new person and you're seeing a lot of resellers who are picking up things, retail arbitrage, it's, it's, I guess it's tricky. I I just want, I I think people need to know what they're getting into. Like whether you're shopping from your closet, the bins or dollar days, thrift stores or retail arbitrage, they're four very different business models. And really you just have to do what works for you and your budget. So I just want to add in there about retail arbitrage and thrifting. I just like total disclaimer out there to everyone. If you see, resellers out there always showing you new with tags i'm not saying they're not getting at the thrift stores it's very possible that they hit the gold mine and someone donated a bunch of stuff that was new at tags but the norm for me is if i find one or two pieces new at tags a couple times a month that's a lot for me personally the last couple of weeks i found a lot of new at tag and i think it's just people dumping things out of their closet right before the end of the year for tax season um, but I don't know about mm-hmm. you, Lori. Do you find a lot of new tags when you're out at Savers and, you know, looking around? Well, it's funny because I feel like I probably find more than you. But the, some of the things that I would take home that are new with tags, you wouldn't take home. You know what I mean? Just because I know you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think, but I mean, generally, so if, if I'm, okay. So I would say, yes, if I have some, um, you know, Simply Vera from Kohl's. I've found that quite a few times new with tags. I find a lot of Target, Massimo new with tags. Um, but I am I am not finding Lululemon new with no. tags or, you know, Rails new with tags. Um, you know, I'm not finding those high-end mother jeans new with tags like on a regular basis. No, absolutely it's not. Ex- not right. It's store. extremely rare. That's retail arbitrage. It's not that you, it won't happen because it's very possible that it can happen to you. But don't go in with the expectation that, that that's what you're going to find when you go into a thrift store. Um, it's yeah. not something that will happen frequently, or maybe it will for you. I mean, if it does, that's fantastic. But from my experiences and what I have seen, um, it doesn't happen for me. And, and if I do find it, it's like, oh, my God, I found something new with tags. You know, you get really excited about it. Yeah, if it's the right Correct. brand. Um, so when you're thinking about, I would say for me, when I started thrifting, I was like at number three, like I kind of hit savers right away. Uh, when, when I first started and I just picked up things that were cute, I wasn't really going for brands so much, like obviously brands, but I also fell into the trap of picking up trendy low end things. Um, now I know the trendy things that I think will sell and still do well, even if not, they're not a name brand. But when I first started, I didn't, and I also did retail arbitrage when I first started. I hit the yellow tag sale at um, TJ Maxx, and I think I spent over $200. And a year and a half later, I still have some of those items in my closet. And some I've made great money on. So oh, that's interesting. We're completely different. Yeah. <laughs> completely. 100%. So tell me. Was it 100%? Because I started off 
with, and I've always sold items in my closet. So that's all I ever knew. I didn't, I knew that people bought things and flipped them because I had done it to an extent in the past. Um, but I didn't start actually going to Savers or Goodwill or the bins or anything. Probably, I don't know, three or four months in. I sold wow. everything that I owned, basically. I only kept the essentials that I knew I would use for work all the time. Um, or things that I just that so very good. comfortable in. Yeah, but you know me. I don't like to keep things around. Like, as soon as I don't use it for three or four months, it's gone. I'm selling it or donating it, one or the other, depending on, you know, what the resale value is on it. Because I don't want yeah, to keep I, it. <laughs> it's interesting. And um, one of the things you said earlier in the week, you, you were talking about... Um, you know, removing things from your closet that haven't sold in 60 days. I, I don't do that either. I, um, in fact, I just, I had a rails dress that has been sitting for a while. I actually got it at an estate sale. I wonder if I should have added estate sales in there, like as a three, 3.5, <laughs> like before retail arbitrage. Cause that is also, it's like a little bit more expensive, yeah. obviously than thrift stores, but n- not typically as expensive as retail arbitrage. So maybe there should be five strands to this. For those who like to shop at estate sales. Um, but I bought this rails dress for like $20 or $25 new with tags. And it has been sitting since May. And I was just getting ready to drop the price on it. But May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. We're talking seven months. Um, I feel like you probably would have sent it to the real real. By yeah. Then. What, either, I don't think the real real takes it. But I would have sent it to Thread Up at that point. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's sold for um, somebody put it in a bundle. So 15%. It just sold last week. But um so sometimes I'm surprised by things like it will be sitting there and I'm like just getting super sick of looking at it and then it finally sells. So it depends if you're a long tail seller or not. But um, yeah, so I, I think those are the the best places for sourcing um, and the most common spots. And I think that when when you're getting into it, you just have to decide what your budget is. So like on a weekly budget, if you can only spend $25, um, maybe you want to start with your closet in the bins. And if you're, maybe you can list 25 items and maybe you sell those 25 items for about $20 a piece. That's 500 in sales. And then if you're selling on Poshmark, 20% fees would be a hundred dollars. That would leave you with $400. And if you only paid 25 in, that would be a $375 profit. I think that's a great way to look at it. But I also want to add one more thing to that is um, if you're just getting started, whatever, let's say you're sourcing from your closet. So that money that you make is the money you're going to use to then go to a thrift store or the bins or wherever you decide to go to pick up items to then put in your Poshmark, eBay, wherever it is that you're um, reselling, whatever platform that is. So you're always taking that money that you're making. Are you saying reinvesting? And reinvesting, yeah. You're never Mm -hmm. pulling from, like, I have a full-time job. I never use my full-time income to pay for my sourcing trips. It's whatever I'm getting from Poshmark or eBay or the Real Real, whatever stream of income it's coming from. That's my motto, and I think it's a smart business um, model to have so that yep, you always sure. have money for your essentials in life, your bills, um, you know, the food, all of those things. Yep. I would agree. Mm. Um, so just, just curious, Daniela, if you were shopping retail arbitrage, um, what, you know, what do you have a cutoff for an item that you would purchase? I mean, that's, that's such a general question because so much, so much goes into, 
you know, what's your cutoff if you find a pair of Louboutins no. versus what's your cutoff if you find a J. Crew blazer? You know, yeah. like it's it's very different, you know. But I'm just just curious in general if you have like a comfort zone with retail arbitrage. So I'm gonna be completely honest. I don't like retail arbitrage, and that's just my mm-hmm. opinion. I struggle with it. Um, I just think that it's for me, it's difficult for me to pay up for an item, even though it's new at tags to then resale because my thought process is if this particular store has it marked down at X price. Okay. Now we all know there's lots of resellers in our area. I'm learning every day that there's so many resellers around me that I had no idea existed. So hello to all of you (laughs) that are now listening to me. Right. But a lot of like the mentality behind retail arbitrage and those who do it is everyone's going to be picking up that same item. So then the market gets saturated with it and it's going to sit for a long time. Not every item. I'm not going to say it happens with every item because some are like these unicorn items that sell no matter what and people want it. And it's a hot ticket thing, you know, and people don't care Mm -hmm. how much they're spending on it. They're like, Oh my God, I can't find this in my area. I need it. Mm -hmm. I feel like those items are few and far in between. So I have a really difficult time when it comes to retail arbitrage. However, I have done it um, usually on dresses or on Mm -hmm. really great pair of shoes. So like uh, there's this store near me that's like a Burlington Coat Factory, Um, but it's owned by Burlington Coat Factory now, but it used to be an independent store um, and they used to sell a lot of high-end things. But now that Burlington's took it over, they have a lot of the same things as like TJ Maxx and Marshalls and all that. So I usually find fry boots and when I find the fry boots I only pick them up when they're on clearance and they usually clearance them out between like $15 to like $35 that's really good right so I will pick them up then and I will splurge and I will pick them up then and fry boots for me and this is my personal experience sell year-round because people wear them all the time um yeah so and I've sold them year-round I usually find them like in the spring summer I'll find a bunch of um marked down fry boots and that's when I pick them up and I've usually mm-hmm. at least doubled my money on that. So that's worth it to me. I can't spend more than that $25, $35 mark unless, like you said, it's this Louboutins or it's Louis Vuitton for that matter at a Sabres right, that's right. 200 bucks, And I know that I can get, you know, close to a grand for it because it's in great condition. You know, it's, it's. Yeah, it's, no, it's so funny you mentioned Louis Vuitton because I was, um. I was uh, looking at a Louis Vuitton. Um, I was looking for a crossbody for myself and um, I did not get one, but there was one, I went into the Louis Vuitton store at Natick and um, the woman's like, Oh, we have the Rihanna bag. I'm like, okay, please explain to me what, what the is Rihanna the Rihanna bag? Rihanna bag? Is. Um, <laughs> yes. I mean, so she's like, Oh, it's the one that Rihanna wore and made famous. And now these are sold out everywhere. Oh. And we just happened to have one in the store. And I said, Oh my gosh, let me see it. So it was basically, it was actually super cool. It had like a, um, almost like a guitar strap crossbody, like a thick. And this one was like in an olive green fabric. And then it had a double purse. It was three pieces. It was a a little pouch, little, with another one on top of it that clipped. So like two purses, one on top of the other. And then on the the strap was a circle coin coin purse that also clipped on. So there's a lot going on. But it it was it was very cool all put together and I loved that you could like separate it and wear use one as a clutch you could use it as a crossbody there was like a gold chain attached to one it was like $1,600 and I couldn't fit my wallet in it so that that's always my deal breaker with crossbodies 
And um, in fact, it was $1,600. I had no business buying it. But um, she's like, are you sure? She's like, I can't even express to you how rare this is that this is in the store. And I just happened to walk in. I'm like, oh, I'm sure it's super rare. Like rolling my eyes a little bit. She was very nice. But um, I go home and of course it is sold out everywhere. <laughs> and it's on Trade Z for like $3,200. And it's moly. on across the board, like, well, like, I would say the average list price on it was between like 2,500 and 2,800. And that was a scenario I was like, damn, I should have bought that yeah. bag. Like I could have actually flipped this one yeah. and made a profit. Yeah. I would never invest that oh, much God, money. No. But, um, but it's funny because there are sometimes those auto items that are like super hot. So the most I've ever spent was actually very recently. Um, I bought a Filson. I hear, I had never heard of it. What and is that? I had heard. So Filson is a brand that I hear um, Lavender Clothesline talk about all the time. And she says, like, whenever she finds it, she gets, it's like an outdoorsy brand. Okay. So I happen to be at Sierra's shopping, which is also owned by TJ Maxx, but they have like a more of an outdoorsy flair. And there was just this lone jacket, this Filson, it's called the Journeyman jacket. It retails for $400. It, it's almost like, picture like a barn jacket, but like a little more structured um, and very, very heavy. It almost feels like a weighted blanket on you. It's, it's beautiful quality, but, um, it was in Sierra's for two ninety nine, and then it was marked down to $75 oh, wow. and it was the only one in the store. So I was like, I'm going to take a chance on this. And I did run the comps on it and, um, it only has like six likes on it right now. I have it listed at two sixty five. I don't know that it will go. I mean, I may end up selling it. I, I figured at the very least I'll sell it for double. I'll sell it for like one fifty. And um, most of the comps on eBay were two hundred plus. But I don't have it listed on eBay right now. It kind of seems like an eBay brand, and I know that's where Lavender Clothesline sells. But this is the most I've ever spent, and it's in it's been in my closet for a couple weeks. So it's not like this hot item, but I. But I do feel like when somebody wants this, it's it's 130 off a of retail. And I don't get the impression that these go on sale a right. ton. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Well, I mean, I guess if you don't take the chance, you don't know. And that kind of goes with retail arbitrage, right? If you don't take a chance yeah. on the item, you don't know how it's going to do. So then maybe when you do see it while you're thrifting, you're more likely to pick it up knowing that the resale is very good on it. Or it's a quick flip, you know, I yeah, so it really depends on your style too. Like I'm okay with the sitting in my closet for a I'm while, not. like, um, <laughs> and you are not. So really, and I think that's what this podcast is mm -hmm. about: is trying to get to know like what works for you. And this would make you very uncomfortable. Somebody else might have bought five of them if they thought it was a good price. You know, um, I was willing to take the chance on one, and also knowing I have two sons who could also fit in this really high quality jacket, and that honestly goes into a lot of my thought process. Sometimes I'll pick up something and say, this is more than I want to spend. However, Angelina is 18 and I know she would love this. So I could give this to Angie if it doesn't work for her, or I try to buy things in my size or family member sizes. So if it doesn't work as a flip, it's something that I feel somebody in my life would love. And it was still a good value. Yes. That, that's sometimes. So true story. Too. I can kind of piggyback off of that today. I did go to Savers. I broke my rule. I wasn't going to source until we went to Maine next week. <laughs> But I went. You've been hanging out with yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I had to exchange a couple of things. So that was my reasoning for it. Uh -huh. So when you exchange at Savers, you have to have something, right, to go towards it. So. Yeah, and you have to do it within a certain right. amount of so time So I well. bought it. I ended up going to Savers yesterday. Um, I just, you know, you get that feeling. You just have to go. I had a feeling. So I went. I know. I know that and, feeling. Uh, I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so anyway, I went to go exchange today. 
and I found a Kate Spade. Um, it's a goat leather and cow leather handbag, and it is so cute. I wow. paid up for it. I do goat yeah, leather. I, I I've don't never pay heard up that. for Kate Spade because you can find it in TJ Maxx. You can find it in Burlington Coat Factory. You can find it in all these places, right? So I usually yeah. don't pay up for it. However, I really like it. So if it doesn't sell, I don't care that I spent $25 on it. Well, actually, it was less than that because I had 20% off plus the exchange. So it was like fourteen forty nine nice. or something. I don't care if it doesn't sell because I'm going to keep it for myself. Right. You know? And, and it's, it's funny and it sounds beautiful. Oh, my actually. God. I can't wait to um, show you. It's so nice. It's already listed <laughs> in my Poshmark closet. So if you're interested, go take a look. Oh, I will I definitely blush. take a look and see it. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it's it's amazing to me, like when someone's like, is this something you would pick up? I, I, there are so many things that go through my mind when deciding to pick up an item. Oh, yeah. You know, am I sourcing from the bins? And is this a, is this a, I call it a bins brand. Is this something I'll pick up at the bins and nowhere else? Is, is it current? Is it, is it in great shape? Am I going to have to work on this? I don't want to work on you know, an American Eagle piece, but I would work on mother jeans. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there are so many things that when I'm, when I'm looking that I consider, um, you know, would this be good in bundles? I sell a lot of bundles. So like, I'm like, this is kind of like, I picked up a Beatles t-shirt the other day. I love the Beatles. It was just like a black, it was an Abbey road t-shirt and Abbey, the actual road that they were, it was black and white, but the road that they were walking over, um, had like colors of the rainbow. Well, like not necessarily the rainbow, but bright, like pops of color. Super cute. And it was a dollar 99 and I, it was half off. So Usually if you see t-shirts in my closet, I've probably paid about a dollar or two for them. I, I don't, I'm not a big t-shirt person. Um, some band shirts I like, and I'll pay up to like four, maybe $5 for it. But I mean, generally I'm like a one to $2 t-shirt person. So that was a perfect example of, I liked the shirt. It was really cute. I like the Beatles. It's a great thing to put in. And I think I have it listed at like 20 bucks yeah. or 25 even, but you know, if I get a $15 offer, I'll take it. And it's a nice bundle piece. That's how I look at certain things too. So, so much goes into my decision-making when I am sourcing that, um, and, and it has evolved. Like I'm big, I know myself better. I know my customer better. I know things that my customers like things that sit. I'm, I'm really, I have very little luck with blazers. I just, I don't know. I, I struggle with blazers. Um, I do too. I struggle with dress dress pants. I mean, there are people who specialize in career wear and I have a hard time with it. But I think it's not me. And I think that comes across in my closet. Like there are certain things I love to source and I get excited to list them. And I know my customer is going to like it and it just works. And and I think that really sourcing things that you love makes this job so much more fun. But I mean, that's like common knowledge. I think everybody knows that, but I, I really believe in yeah, it. Yeah. And I think it's important to also know, so to kind of go back to what you said, to know what sells in your closet. So there's a lot of different ways to do this, whether it's downloading the inventory report that you have and kind of seeing what you have in your closet, engaging what you like to, to resell. You'll see a trend of what mm-hmm. you like to buy and, right. and what's in your closet available to um, buyers. Right, like what correlates Correct. between like, yes, I love to source and sell this item and it happens to be something that sells very well. Correct. For me. There's also dashboards that you can um, create yourself or that you could purchase from people. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, Lori and I um, have a good friend here, Sarah, who d- has a dashboard as well. Um, and we'll be talking about that. I'm trying that out this yeah, week. Me too. I have to do a video on it. I'm super excited to yeah, try so it. Yeah, so Sarah Styles. Thank you, Sarah. She's <laughs> awesome. 
um, check her out on Instagram, but she does have a dashboard mm-hmm. that's available. And um, Do you know Daniela, her thing offhand, if anybody mm-hmm. wants to go check Let it out? Let me see. I think it's Sarah Styles LLC. I want to say okay. that's her handle. Let me do a little search. Yes, yeah, Sarah Styles, S-A-R-A-H Styles LLC. So I think it's the same across the board on um, all the platforms, right. but she has a really great um, dashboard where it breaks everything down by platform and what items are selling the most for you. And I think that's super important to know as well. Like I know for myself, I love to source handbags and shoes and that's typically what sells the best for me. I also like jeans and I like, I incorporate everything in my, in my closet. Um, however, mm-hmm. those are the things that I get the most thrill out of. I love cleaning and sourcing shoes. I love it. I love it. I love it. Like that is my thing. And they're quick flip for good money for me. And some people hate Oh my God, I know. I don't don't get them. I don't understand. How do you not like cleaning shoes? It's so therapeutic. (laughs) (laughs) It's very gratifying. I will say that, Um, you know, to just, I love a good before and after. Like when you, when you do the one shoe and then you take it side by side after you've hit it with the, um, the Wonder Balm from Doc Martens. Um, and yeah, it is very gratifying. I find like the best thing for me to do when I come home from the bins is typically where I get beat up shoes is to like do it immediately too. Mm-hmm. Like, because once I throw it like into a pile, I'm like, oh, but like once I get into a rhythm, it's really fun. And it is very gratifying. There's nothing to, like cleaning um, a pair of Hunter boots and making them shine again. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I got a pair of Hunter boots, um, in one of my most recent hauls to Savers, um, I think it was December 9th, and I still haven't listed them. Bat, shame on me. But um, so in my video, in one of my recent YouTube videos, I shared that I bought them and I said I need to clean them up. And I heard olive oil was good. And I had a viewer write, please don't put olive oil on, like it ruins the coating. Something like she had contacted Hunter Boots and they said, like, eventually the olive oil will eat away at the coating. And that you know, she's like, I would hate for that to happen to a customer over time. And I like really took it to heart. Like I was glad she commented, but do you have experience? Like, what do you do to clean? your? So I do not use olive oil because I heard the same thing from watching YouTube videos. Um, You can either buy the Hunter boot kit that they have. You can find them on eBay. Um, They're Mm -hmm. inexpensive, but honestly, I bought this uh, tub of mink oil and it's in like a pomade and I got it on Amazon and I use that on everything. Oh, interesting. And it works great. The only thing, so I'm, I'm going to just throw this out here. If you're going to use mink oil, it does change the color sometimes of items. So you have to be careful. Mm. Test a small area and see if it's going to darken the color of your boots or whatever it is. If you don't care, let's say the boots are in really rough condition, which is usually when I use this oil. If the boots are in really rough condition, then I'm just going to do a once over with the mink oil anyway and change the color of the shoe. It's not a big deal to me. It looks better. Um, Mine are black. Yeah, so you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Okay. I use I'm on I'm on Amazon right now. I'm gonna order yeah, them. I'll send if anybody's it to you. I'll send it to you. It's yeah. uh it's like a pomade, it's a mink oil. I don't know. I'll send it to you. And I'll um maybe I'll there's one soft sole mink oil for conditioning. It's two dollars and ninety nine cents. Has nineteen hundred reviews. Maybe that's the one. I don't know. Prime. All right, that's the one I'm getting. It's cheap and it has good reviews. <laughs> At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life changing care. We're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. 
all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. So, yeah, I mean, I think this would be a good time, Lori, to maybe talk about some brands and do like a little poll between both of us. Would we pick an item up or would we leave it? That's fun. That sounds like that sounds like a good time. Um, let's do it. We we did come up with a few brands. We talked about this. Yes. And um, yes. I think they're those like on the fence brands. And um, and I I encourage all of our viewers, uh, our viewers, our <laughs> listeners. But they to, are viewers, you know, too. Sure. play along sometimes, sometimes. Yes, I hope so. Um, OK, so we picked some brands. Um, you know, obviously, I feel like if we said Patagonia across the board, it's going to be a yes. Like, would you pick up a Cinchilla Patagonia for five bucks? As long <laughs> Everyone's as it doesn't yes. have holes. Yes. <laughs> as it doesn't have what? Holes. Have what? Oh, yeah. holes. OK. Sometimes they that's, have holes in good. them. I found them at the bins before with like cigarette holes in them. So, no, I'm oh, not picking that up. Yeah. <laughs> That's a deal breaker for yeah. you. Okay. Yeah, probably for me too. No, no holes. holes. All right. But then we have some of these that are more like on the fence. So, all right, Daniela, why don't you start? Which one, which one should we discuss first? All right. I want to talk about American Eagle first. American yes. Eagle. Okay. Would you pick um, it up, Lauren? Yes. Where would you pick it up? The bins. Mm-hmm. And I think just the bins. Um Unless it's a really unique piece. I think I recently picked up a kimono that was American Eagle. And I, I, I'm a big kimono cover-up girl. Love them. And I think it was like 4 or $5 at Savers. And I picked that up and it did sell for like $20, $25-ish around that point. So bins, unless it's a unique piece and um, anything high-rise. Um, I mostly look for American Eagle denim. In fact, I actually sold a pair of... Um, boyfriend frayed like festival style jean shorts today for $17. Like in my opinion, it's like a 15 or $20 bill. Every time I see a pair of good American Eagle jeans. And I recently went with my husband for Christmas and I bought, it was buy one pair of jeans, get the second pair half off, I believe. And Rocco's jeans were $60 and Angelina's were 50. So I got them for 25 and it was $85 for two pairs of American Eagle jeans. And I wanted to choke, (laughs) Um, which also was like, I, that just reinforced why I picked them up at the bins. Yeah. So big yes for me. And I like their soft and sexy stuff, but it's been sitting a lot. So that's a definite only at the bins. Yeah. So I would pick up American Eagle at the bins. I typically only pick up the denim. Um, mm-hmm. either denim jacket or jeans. Um, I don't, I have some sweaters. They tend to sit, so I don't really pick them up that much anymore. Unless like you said, it's a unique piece. I, yeah. Airy sweaters do well for me. Mm-hmm. Airy, which is like the lounge yeah. wear line for American Eagle. Yeah. I can't say I've had any luck with that, but I would hmm. pick up American Eagle if the price was right. Cause like you said, it's a 15 to $20 flip. That's about the range. It is. Yep. Yep. You can't, you can't have like super high expectations for it, but, but it will um, move. I think and it will move fast. It will move. And as a parent who buys them for full price for my kids. <laughs> yes. Um, that's a yes. Okay. How about, how about LuLaRoe? Ooh, LuLaRoe. Yeah. I get like sad mm. feelings when I hear about LuLaRoe because all those people have spent that, all that money on their inventory and they just have had to donate most of it. Um, that is crazy. Yeah. Can you tell the audience like what happened? I watched like a documentary. So I don't, on it, I but, don't know um, the full I, story. 
I'm not that well versed in it, but I, I did have a few friends that were part of the LuLaRoe group and they were selling it on, they used to do the Facebook lives and, you know, they would sell it on there. And uh, did they go yeah. bankrupt or did they just close? Honestly, I don't know. They may even still be in business for all I, I know. know. I just um, know that everyone that was selling it no longer sells it and everything is being donated. That's yeah. about the gist of it all. It's all the documentary donated. that I saw in honestly, like if there are LuLaRoe experts out there, I apologize for my ignorance. They still have a website. Oh, they the do. LuLaRoe 2020. I'm on it right now. Collection, oh. full collection. So they're still, they're still going. So maybe they just don't have independent people selling it. I don't, I don't know either. To um, be continued. So don't know. To be continued. I'm like trying to see if I can order shop with a retailer it says find a retailer so yeah it looks like they still have people the documentary that i watched which who knows who put it out who know how who knows how true it was but it looks like they got too big too fast Mm. it seemed and there was a lot of it seemed like uh, my interpretation was that it seemed like there was a, a big push to buy more 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 from the higher ups and people like got inventory and they had a storage issue and then at some point, the stuff was stored outside. And so people were getting shipments with damaged materials. And it just kind of snowballed. And then they were trying to get their money back. And the, and the consultants weren't getting money back. I don't know. My The, the thing that I watched was really extreme. So I don't know how, stri- how um, true it was. But the gist of it is LuLaRoe inventory is absolutely everywhere. Oh, my God, yeah. Everywhere. It is. I, just today, actually, I probably saw anywhere from 10 to 15 pieces in each area that I went to that was LuLaRoe. Now, I personally do not pick it up. I picked it up once from the bins and it Mm -hmm. sold, it was a dress. It was plus size. It had a cool geometric pattern on it and it sold within two weeks. Um, And I want to say it was like a 50 plus dollar sale. Now that's not the norm. So don't go thinking that that's the norm, but there are certain pieces that will sell for a higher amount. I just think I picked up the right one at the bins, to be quite honest with you. Um, what's your experience? So I'm looking quickly in my Poshmark closet, yeah. and I'm just going to run. So 4, 8, 12, 16. I have 17 total. I have listed 17 LuLaRoe items in total. I have sold 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 items in total. Um, and here are the prices. Like I, I sold a velvet duster for $42, new with tag. A skirt for 28 It was a 3X. The duster was a 3X. A size small, LuLaRoe Minnie Mouse Ears Carly dress for $30. Um, a paisley, like, velvet gold dress, $30. Um, a, a couple of these were, like, holiday editions, like, kind of a metallic pink long duster vest, $38. A cardigan, $23. And a 3X dress, $28. So, as I'm just making a quick glance, the bigger the better, it seems. Yeah. I would say plus size um, sells the best for LuLaRoe. Um, I think your, so. Your it's it's a goods, comfort brand. Your cost of good has to be low. Very low. So yes. Yeah, so yes to the bins in some cases. Interesting patterns. Um, you know, like they have like Disney theme things or, you know, I do think that they have a huge following. So I, I just shared this with you um, in my most recent video um, on YouTube where I get, where I do thrift, thrift and gift boxes for my kids for Christmas. 
or shortly after that, it was a haul before or after that. I'm sorry. I picked up a pair of LuLaRoe leggings and jokingly, I said, I still pick these up at the bins when they're interesting. And then I bring them home and I put them in a pile in my basement and I never list them because that <laughs> seems to be what I do in general. A lot of these that I just listed, I picked up at um, a thrift store that had a huge newest tag um, donation. It was like a shelter thrift store. Yep. And um, I think I picked up 28 pieces new with tags and my average cost of goods was 60 cents Oh wow! and everything was new with tags. So that was a no brainer. Yeah. I picked up a ton of it. And let's, which, those were the things that I list listed first. Right. So I have all these like leggings and tops, like more basic pieces. And someone reached out from my YouTube channel and said, I'm interested in your LuLaRoe stuff. Like if you have a pile of it, like, please take some pictures and let me know. I'm interested in like a lot of 10 to 20 items for myself. I like the tall and curvy leggings and yeah, let, let me see what you have. I'm definitely interested. So who knows? I mean, so no, I would never pick it up at the thrift unless it was a special piece new with tag. I would say like cardigans, unique pieces, maybe the dresses plus sizes. Um, but, but again, that's mostly a bins purchase. For yeah. Me. I have to agree with you there. So I think the next brand that we should talk about is something I think goes back and forth a lot in social media, and that would be Free People and Anthropology. So they're one of the same. They're from the same company. When you look at the yeah. tag, the, you know, it's, it's the same. So Free People and Anthropology, um, yeah, I don't pick it up anymore unless it's a really unique piece that I know is going to sell or that it's a trending piece or it's something that really I don't pick it up it doesn't move for me Lori I'm just shocked you said it doesn't move for me it does not move it will sit for months and months and months and I get sick of it and then I end up dropping the price so low that I just double my money and be done with it interesting so I would say that free people is one of my best-selling brands and I happen to love it I'll just Um, give you all my free people then Okay, I'll take it. Yeah. What do you want from me? Because I'm sure there are <laughs> things that I can't sell. Um, I tend to do much better with free people than I do with anthro. Um, and I'm I'm passing a lot more on anthro brands than I am free people. I do pass on free people for sure. But in general, like I just picked up a, it was at the bins and somebody else was passing on it. And they're like, do you want this? It's free people. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Lucky. Like it's okay. <laughs> um, Real life podcasting. <laughs> yes. Um, and it was just a free people beach. I think it was called the tiny dancer dress because I just listed it before I got on this call. But, um, and, and I got like a thermal, I picked up a thermal recently, like an oversized thermal. It was like $4 plus 20% off at Savers. And it had like camo sleeves with like the funky detail sleeves. It was an oversized one. No, I absolutely love free people, but I don't, I stopped picking up anything body con free people. I think I had like two or three dresses that were like fitted. Um, and they are either still in my closet or just took forever to move. So nothing fitted from free people, maybe those thermals with the, the fitted thermals with the fancy cuffs, I would still pick those okay. up. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. I've had one sitting in my closet for five months now, has not moved. I, I, so I had one that was new with tags on day one. I listed it for $57, something absurd, like in probably a year ago. And um, now maybe eight months. And it was new with tag. I picked it up at Savers. I think I spent like $7 on it. I was super excited because they were very hot about eight months ago, I feel. And immediately someone sent me a $40 offer and I countered 
at 50 because I was foolish. And um, I and then, just wanted to let out a gasp. Like, why would you do that? I know. <laughs> so these are things it. you learn. This is what you learn as you go. Um, I would never do that now. Yeah. But sometimes you get a little cocky when it's like mm-hmm. brand new. Like if you just list it and you get like four likes and an offer right away, you think, oh, this is something good. And I'm not going to budge on this or whatever. So um, the woman was actually, she must think I'm such a jerk because she was really good working with me. And she like, I think it was like 40 and I said 50 and she said 42 and I said 48 and whatever, like, (laughs) oh, God, I slapped myself just thinking. (laughs) Anyways, that same shirt is still in my closet. And it's just like, I think I was cursed because I was greedy on that negotiation. Um, but yeah, so, and then I've had other ones that have sold very quickly. So that is an interesting one. I know what you're talking about. I have two in my closet right now that aren't moving, but I still love them. See, that's the difference. Like I love that style. Um, and it doesn't bother me that it's in my closet, but then there are anthro pieces like boat neck nautical look. That's not so much me that I'm like, yeah, I I'm done with you. But I, I think I just have more of a tolerance for free people. Cause I like it. Yeah, maybe. I think that free people is just overpriced at the thrift store too. And I can't get myself to spend eleven ninety nine on something that might move in a year. I wouldn't spend eleven ninety nine on it. I, that free people is still like a five or $6, yeah, there was a free people dress actually that I really liked and they had it marked $18 at Savers last week and it was new with tag and it was like a mini dress like flowy embroidered whatever and I had it I walked around the store with it the whole day because I'm like well the whole day a couple hours and um, <laughs> when the I got entire to the, when day I, that I was there <laughs> yes when I finally got to the register I just looked at it and then I'm like I'm just gonna run comps like I should have done that first oh no they were selling for like $25 I'm like nope 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 and I put it back yeah yeah, that's the so, thing. With, well, that's that's the overlying theme with everything, right? Like the cost of goods really matters. You can buy any brand, but if the cost of goods is way too high and the resale on it is, let's say you pick up an item for 20, but it's reselling between 20 and 25, like wh- why? You're going to lose money. Right, why? Why bother? Don't. Yeah. Don't so do that, that brings me to this. This is a this is a big thing with YouTubers and um, I guess people like you on Instagram who might do like an Instagram sale. And this is something I honestly struggle with all the time is should I share my cost of goods? Yes. What is the benefit of sharing your cost of goods? Like my mom was horrified when I first went on YouTube. She's like, how do you even sleep at night telling people that you picked this up at the bins for a dollar and then you charged $55 for it? Like my mom was horrified. She's like, isn't that just wrong? Aren't people just going to be mad at you? I'm like, well, no mom, it's not really how it works. I mean, it's supply and demand. If I list it for 50 and nobody wants it, no one's going to be mad at me. It's just going to sit in my closet, you know? Right. Um, But then, you know, sometimes. sometimes I don't think it matters. I honestly don't think it matters because, and here's my logic behind it. Most people, most people that are shopping on Poshmark Mm -hmm. don't know that people are reselling as a job and putting this stuff out there. The majority of people don't understand that. We all get it because we're in the community, right? And even, and even if, so I buy stuff all the time from resellers that I follow, like Nicole State. I buy from Nicole State all the time. I know what her cost of goods is. Doesn't affect me whatsoever. It's her business. It's her, it's her model. And I want to support her. I've bought from, who else have I bought from? You just bought from Jack and Ryan. Yes, Jack and Ryan. And I have no problem. I know they picked up some of that stuff at the bins. Don't care. Still paid a hundred bucks. Like, doesn't bother me. Um, 
I think no. if you're in and the community, I, you get it. Just wondered if in, I guess it's unique to people who are selling through YouTube is like, I actually have a big uptick in my business um, with people who see something that I'm selling that I hold up in my video and then they contact me via email and I sell it. But I have to say, everybody is like super respectful and very generous with what they'll pay for stuff. Like I always give them, obviously I usually take about 20% off what I would list it for immediately. You know, so if I'm going to sell it for 20 for 50 on Poshmark um, and I know I'm not going to have those Poshmark fees, I'll probably tell them, well, how about 35? So they're, they're getting a deal. I'm, I'm not paying a fee. So um, I guess it's, it's more that way, but then sometimes, I mean, I feel like when I first started my YouTube channel and Instagram, I remember for a while, like a good two months, I'm like, who is my audience? I mean, am I on Instagram as a retailer, like I want to sell to you, or am I on Instagram as a teacher to other resellers? And that is what I evolved into is more of a reseller person. Um, But, you know, there are people who, you know, their purpose on Instagram is to sell through their business, you know, and so they're not really sharing cost of goods. They're saying, this is what I have and this is what I'm selling it. For. Yeah. So it's just, sure. a, I guess, it, I guess like anything, like what you, how you run your business, I think it's, it's a preference, but I find it helpful to, to know what the cost of goods are from other people. If they are in a position where they're claiming to teach me, you know, right. um, I agree. I agree. I think it's important to, to understand that aspect of it if they are someone that you look up to that you're learning from, it's helpful to know that side piece of cost of goods because it helps you. And your like business. Jenna never shares her cost of goods on empty hanger. And I have always looked up to her as if like, I feel like she's, you know, very professional and she's, she's, you know, and a lot of people say, well, you know, uh, anthropology is not sharing their cost of goods with us. Why should we share our cost of goods with our consumers? Yeah, like what, what is, you know, I get it. I get it. But I still feel like I learn a lot from Jenna because I think she's good with trends. I feel like if people aren't telling me about trends or strategies with shipping, or if they're, if they're not like teaching me something else, if, if, if I'm not learning brands or things like that, at least if I know, okay, well, if you only paid five bucks for that and you're going to sell it for 30, then that's worth it. But if you're doing retail arbitrage and you're showing me a Madewell coat that you're listing for 250 <laughs> and you paid a hundred yeah. for it, like, I don't see the value. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that. I think that's, that's kind of been the debate lately, right. On social media that certain there, and I'm not naming anyone this, this is just a general statement. No one take this personal. If you're listening, um, <laughs> I think there's something about that transparency with your viewers that, people not that they expect but it's almost like a respect thing like you know and and I think people see through that sometimes when you you can figure out if someone has spent that hundred dollars on that Madewell jacket and now they've they're asking their viewers or they're asking their buyers on Poshmark for x amount of dollars it makes you sit back and wonder a little bit right like that that's just me personally I have a hard time with that and I don't know if I can buy something from someone who does that, I guess. 
Does that make sense? Well, again, for me, yeah, it does make sense. But that wouldn't bother me so much if I, if, it, if it were retail arbitrage and they bought that Madewell coat and I really want it and it's no longer available on the Madewell site. And when it was available, it was $100 more than they're asking or $100 less. I mean, it really is supply and demand. I just feel like is from a learning aspect. It's, it's, it, it's just more of an awareness thing than anything. Like if that is your business model, then I think embrace it and go with it if that's what's working for you. Because it is hard to source. It is. Thrifting is very time consuming. And if you can go in and buy multiples of something, even if you're making less of a profit and it's easier and you don't have to worry about stains and and flaws and, you know, things that you may have missed that you didn't disclose, like that, there's some comfort in that. I, I had bought on retail arbitrage, I bought two Yeti baseball hats. Oh, wow just random. I'm like, I don't know if these are going to sell, but they were $3. And the price tag on them was like 28 or something like that, or 24. So I bought them and I was like, oh, it's kind of fun doing a multiple listing. I also bought scarves at um, Madewell that were $5 each. The price tag was $68. They had like the red tag, like the red line through, like you can't bring these back. But it was so exciting for me to be able to list five items and be like, oh, that's it. Like I can sell this five times and it's only the time it takes me to do one listing. And um, it was really nice. And both of those Yeti hats sold one sold for $24. I just I just actually priced it exactly what the price tag was. And the other one, I think I got like a $20 offer on so and I was like, I remember thinking like, wow, that was kind of easy. Those were nice. Like, those were easy to store. That was like a low buy in cost. And look at that, they both sold. And I remember thinking there were six of those hats, I should have bought them all. (laughs) But like, You know, so like I can see where people can also get the retail arbitrage bug, but it's more the viewer and what their perception, perception and reality, right? And then that also comes down to like, uh, if you're, if you're new to reselling, if you're experienced. Yeah. I feel like, you know, what, what you'll be able to understand and read between the lines when you're watching. Right. Because this is our, this is like our education basically is YouTube. Right and Google and learning, learning through other resellers. And the community is so wonderful. It's, it's how I am where I am. I learned so much and continue to learn so much every day from people. Right. I mean, that's how we all got started was just watching one another and watching all these, you know, um, resellers have been around for a long time and that's, that's how we have all learned and, and grown. And hopefully we, me and Lori are able to help you guys learn a few new things too, along the way. I do want to add, one thing in here and it has to go with sourcing and it's just something that I want to express to everyone and it's my philosophy on sourcing and I don't want to seem preachy that's not my intent (laughs) but I know that I'm a minimalist so I cannot continue to source if things are not moving in my closet and I think it becomes so easy to get in that like because we like to source we like to thrift right these are things we enjoy doing this is why we resell okay that's do what we do Mm -hmm. but I do think there's like that fine line of it becoming an addiction and like a shopaholic Mm -hmm. kind of thing and then actually Mm -hmm. sourcing with the intent to sell and I think like this could be a completely like a complete episode all on its own that we don't have enough time for today. But I think that like that, that people need to keep that in mind that just because you're always buying things, it doesn't mean it's good. 
it doesn't mean it's bad, but if you're not moving inventory, then why do you keep buying and why are you spending this money that you're trying to make to accomplish whatever goals it is, or maybe it's your full-time income. That's my thought. Right. I I think it's really important to see like one of the things that my husband um, who I've mentioned is an accountant, like he'll say to me, you know, how many items did you sell last month? And um, I think, I think the last time I checked when in November, I think I sold about 120 items. That's really good. He's like, okay, that's actually, yeah, that's really good. He's like, okay, so if you're, if you are sourcing and you're getting like 25 items per week, um, then if you look at it over a month, that's a hundred items. So you're still coming, you're still like, you have 20 items less because I, I work at a surplus and it's, I don't mind having a small amount of inventory that I can always tap into. But right now I have a little more excess than I, um, than I should or feel comfortable with. And, um, that is definitely one of my goals in 2020 to minimize that. And I think I'm going to, I feel more confident now in the pieces that I pick up. I feel like the things that I pick up now are moving faster. Like if I buy a batch of 15, 20 items, they're moving faster than a batch I would have purchased eight months ago at the bins when I would come home with 50 items from the bins instead of now about 25 to 30 items for the bins. I was just buying more. And um, well, you're sourcing smarter, right? Yeah. You know what sells like in, for you. For the reason, right. And, and, you know, what works for me may not work for you, but I am learning my buyer and learning my business more. Um, I don't even know where I was going with that, but yeah, it is, it is, it is important to kind of look at, like, even if you look at it at, on a month at a glance or, you know, where I'm full-time and you're part-time, you know, your volume may be a little less and maybe a little more, but like, you know, maybe someone wants to move 25 items a month. Right then they maybe should be looking at, well, how much am I buying? Because it, because what it does is, is, is I find you just get a little buried and you feel discouraged. Like I really enjoyed watching um, Thriftmas with uh, Jenna this month. And what I, what I loved about it and what I even, what she did was she just thrifted every day. She wasn't getting like huge quantities. That and, gives me anxiety. Um, does it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. Well, it gives, it would give me anxiety if I was coming home with 40 items a day, but if you're sourcing and you're coming home with like eight items that you really love and you're like, you know, for me, if that's me, you're also have a full-time job on top of that. So that would be really difficult, you know, but like if I went out and I sourced like eight things that I really loved and then I came home and I was excited about them and I listed them that same day and then went and did it the next day, like I would love it as long as I was keeping on top of it. Sometimes I tend to buy in bulk. If I like it, like when we go next week, when we go shopping, I'm, I want to pace myself because I haven't been sourcing in a while. And this was really a struggle for me over the holidays for the really the first time in my entire time as a mother working full time and doing the holidays. Like I, I got like the, I've had the most stress that I've had in a very long time trying to do this full time and do the holidays like I was accustomed to doing where we're over the top on everything and I host Christmas Eve morning and then I host Christmas Day and there's a certain level of what I do for the kids and it was just a real lot for me and I remember just pausing one day like I I think I may have bit off more than I could chew (laughs) and and some of that comes from the sourcing like if I didn't have excess, like that would be one thing that I wouldn't be worried about. You know what I mean? Or if, if I wouldn't misplace this item somebody just purchased or if my inventory system was better. And I think when you have less stuff, if you're sourcing less, 
you can get a handle on all that stuff better. Yeah, I agree. I think organization is key and just knowing what you and your business can handle and, and you can, man- you can maintain, I think that's the other part of it too, whatever you can maintain. And it's different for everyone. Like right now I have 450 items in my closet and I just sent about 45 items off to the real rail. And I have a bag of probably 30 items that I'm sending to thread up. And then I have two other bags that are going to donate back to savers because I don't, I can't sustain the 450 items anymore because I want to do other things when it comes to reselling and, you know, just business wise. Um, Mm -hmm. And I want to spend my time um, thrifting and sourcing items that I know I can move quickly, excuse me, and that I can make a good Mm -hmm. profit on. Um, And I don't want things sitting for long periods of time. And I think my sweet spot is going to be between that three, three fifty mark. Um, And I think I can, and and it's overtaking my life and that's how I feel. So I, I went through a period in time, probably like three months ago where I was sourcing a lot and I did it with intentions of quarter four and then quarter four has not been the best to me. So I feel like quarter four was a bit overrated. I don't know. Quarter four is typically a big deal, but the economy, I don't think expressed it in that way because people are investing their money in different ways. So, Mm -hmm. um, and I also think there's some other trends going on with buying secondhand that a lot of people are just going to the thrift stores and purchasing now as well, because it's a trend, right? I mean, buying secondhand is a trend. It's on commercials and on TV. Like it's what people see. It's what the newer generation love. So I think you see a lot of that now happening in the stores instead of online. People might look online if they can't find it in the store, you know? So Mm -hmm. I don't know, Lori. There's so many things to talk about, and we're already (laughs) an hour in. (laughs) No way. Oh, my gosh. 61 minutes, guys. So if you're still listening, thank you. Thanks yes, so thank you so much. Maybe we should wrap things up. I think, you know, this is some, we never went back to our brand. No, but that's okay. So <laughs> people get the gist of yeah. it. Um, we had a couple other brands in here, Vineyard Vines, Michael Kors. We had a couple, which I think at the end of the day, they're all conditional, whether or not we'd pick them up. But um, that was fun. And maybe we'll do more of that another time. But this probably is a good time to wrap things up. Yeah, I agree. So guys, you know what? It was this was a lot of fun. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that this just helps spread some knowledge and awareness to the topic that's so widely talked about right now on social media. For sure. Um, that's what makes reselling so fun. You know, we're all unique individuals and we share similarities and differences and how we source as individuals is going to be so different one from one person to the next. Um but we just thought we would shed a little light on some different strategies that we use or different buy-in costs for people. Yeah. So the bottom line for me, and I'm also going to apologize. You might hear me coughing a few times in this episode and clearing my throat. I have bronchitis. It's okay. Um, But the bottom line is just stay authentic to who you are and what your business stands for. And what works for you may not work for me. And guess what? That's okay. For sure. And you can all see very much between Daniela and I, things work very differently for each of us. And I think that's the fun of this podcast is seeing differences and how um, different things work for different people. So just keep on keeping on. Yeah, so thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. Until next time. Bye, Bye everyone. everyone. See ya.